So, Noosh, yeah, I man. noticed that uh, you didn't use the restroom before the, show, the, the nameless show this time. This is the first time in my entire life that I have In your not, entire professional radio career? In my, in my, in my three episodes <laughs> three of doing episodes. this show, that I didn't use the restroom three minutes before I started this show. Not only that, I didn't drink, uh, what's it called? The, the, the five-hour five energy. energy. Yeah. I always drink, I mean, I, I need it to... <sighs> We just did that, like, sync thing again, and it, I hate that. Why do we do that? Because we're, like, in I mean, sync. I know we're the same person. I know, but it's, like, but really... it's uh, I'm just saying that tonight I might be terrible specifically because I have no energy and I have to pee. I mean, don't give yourself an excuse. You're always terrible, but well, that's okay. you know, that that is a good, um, what's called, like, a good representation of our show, I guess. Always got to pee. No energy. energy. <laughs> yeah, always gonna suck. All right. Get ready. There are so many phones on this desk, by the way. Half yeah. of them are mine, but I was just <laughs> that is that, that is true. So, uh, welcome to another episode of the Mystery Hour with Gerald C. Lee. Uh, I'm your host, Danushka Kumar Singha, and I'm like and subscribe. <laughs> Dude, come on, man! You gotta <laughs> save that joke for another episode. Well, it's too late. I made it. So yeah, th- this episode's called the Mystery Hour with Gerald C. Lee. <laughs> Okay. No one thinks it's funny except you. I, yeah, you I'm just at least... kidding. I laughed on the you know it. I smiled. <laughs> People can't see my Listen, smile. Listen, I, I want you to know there's, there's actually – this is something Miles can totally understand. By the understand. way, you're talking to people who we have Who haven't. don't introduce yeah. – I'm going to reference Miles, but I'm not going to ask Miles anything yet. Who's but Miles? We don't know who Miles is. But this is something Miles, who we'll meet later, will totally attest to. It's the fact that comedy is actually undercut – when you claim something is not funny, and comedy is funnier when you claim something is funny that's only mildly funny. What I'm saying is you are breaking the legs of our own show, you idiot, <laughs> by saying by it's not, not funny. And by, by constantly, that's not funny, Noosh. That's just I'm undercut. trying to just break your legs. I know. That's true. So uh, here we are, Ryan. Another episode. The mystery hour. The mystery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, for today's episode, we have... Two guests. Our first guest is our friend Miles Fivion. Wow, Villalon. Villalon. Wait, hold on. Way to way to really stick to your guns with Ah, not being able to pronounce people's names. Yeah, baby, I'm I'm all about I'm all about tropes. You know, you're all about. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm the guy who just pronounce. I'm the guy whose name is Danushka Kumara Singha, and I will pronounce everybody's name wrong from now on. (laughs) From forever on. From forever, yeah. Forever yeah. on. So, but by the way, the way I just said your last name, it sounds like a Pokemon, Vivian. I'm just, <laughs> go on. It does. It does. <laughs> so, uh, Miles, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. Um, hey, guys. I'm Miles, like the distance. Um, that's usually my opening, like, liner to people. That's how you get people to know blog. how to say it. Yeah. yeah nice. <laughs> um, I just recently graduated from Cal State Dominguez Hills. Go nice. Toros. Congrats. I'm happy to be here to help out my good friend Danushka. Yeah, on his radio show. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. 
Ron yeah. is, and the hey, other guy. Radio show and and the my other friend guy. is your friend. My friend you know? is your friend. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, actually, in, in, like I said, me, me and always, me and always, me and Ryan always joke. We're practically the same person. So me you are you. Always. <laughs> me and me and my friend always. Oh, you guys got like a Fight Club thing going on here. You're the same person, <laughs> dude. We actually, dude, dude. One time, let me, let me tell it because I wait. Or, okay, I'll tell it. Yeah. Basically, there's one time where Ryan and I were just talking online, and uh, Ryan was like, "Man, like I, I really want to start a Fight Club, but you know, like I was really frustrated. Yeah, he was really frustrated that day, and, and he's like, I really want to start a Fight Club, but you know, like without all the fighting. So I was like, So you mean like a terrorist cell? <laughs> <laughs> because that's what it is without the fighting. And my answer was still yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then my my next response was, please inform the NSA listening to this message between Ryan and Danushka Kumara Singha that yeah. that was a joke. We definitely got monitored because yeah. you're brown and you have like 40 NSA, if you're listening, and, yeah. definitely a joke. Yeah. You're they're listening to, I, to this now. They're listening right to this now. Hey, man. We got new listeners. Dude, we got new Welcome listeners. Welcome to the show, Welcome to the show, NSA. NSA. Yeah. yeah. Tell, your, tell, tell, tell the FBI and tell uh, the Secret Service. They should listen to us also. Um, so, Miles, um, anything else you want to add for your introduction? What's your, what'd you get your degree in? Yeah, what's... I got my degree in media studies. Okay. Nice. Right on, right on. Great for actually, you, you the mentioned, topic. You Great mentioned that actually Miles is a credited assistant writer. writer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> yeah. For yeah, a Comedy a Central something. roast, right? For not a Comedy Central roast. Very close, though. <laughs> but um, for a TV writer who writes for the Comedy Central roast. And we did a roast at the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, which was really cool. We had a – we had a, and I'm being kind when I say B-list everybody. It was Jamie Kennedy, which I guess is more like a – Yeah, he's he's pretty – C-list. C-list or like farther, farther down yeah. the list. The farther you get away from the decade where you were big, yeah. the, the lower the letter is, you know? I mean like Hopper, Dennis Hopper, he's like F-list. Who's, who's Dennis, Dennis Hopper? Hopper's dead, by the way. Oh, my <laughs> God. He died. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. He's, he's been, been dead. He's been dead since like the <laughs> – Too soon, Noosh. <laughs> yeah, whoa. Oh, man. Uh, rest in peace, He's Dennis. been dead for a while. <laughs> it's okay. He doesn't – I mean he doesn't sure. care anymore. He doesn't yeah, care anymore. To say so are really him. offended right now. Dennis? Yeah, Dennis <laughs> Hopper. Dude, I'd be afraid if Dennis Hopper's offended because he's crazy. Dude, he went, yeah, I was going to say, he, he went was really like, nuts. He went yeah. really like Pop kind of – quiz Danushka. He would haunt my dreams. Yeah. Pop quiz Danushka. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis Hopper, come on, oh, speed. Oh, You're oh, just oh. Look, Danushka's just looking at me like – Listen, man, you make those movie references that fast, I'm not going to get it. Oh. Actually, you make movie references a lot of times I might not get it. I mean I, I might get some, but – I'm not. I'm not as hip as you are. You're, oh. you're the movie guy. <laughs> so uh, our second guest for today is Niku, uh, Niku Delruz. Niku, tell us a little bit about ourselves. Oh man, I ruined my own trope. I should have said, said like her name right. Nico Del Raz oh. or something. I should have messed up your name on Del Raz. I hate when people pronounce my name wrong. Oh. So I'm glad that you didn't didn't hurt yeah. me with your Nico words. Uh, he doesn't do it to your face. <laughs> oh. I've never no. pronounced her name wrong though. I'm just kidding. Ever. Um, yes, hello, I am Niku. I'm also a media studies major, communications. Um, fun facts, I don't know. Nothing yet, I guess. Well, I mean, <laughs> you don't have any fun facts yet? Is that That's, what you said? Um, <laughs> that was pretty existential. Well, I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah, reveal the fun facts, perhaps. Well, I mean, I'll reveal uh, <laughs> Niku is the historian slash advocacy director of the club that I'm in, PRSSA. I'm the vice president. That you're so in? Yeah, vice president. Vice president. Don't sell yourself short. Vice president. Of, yeah. <laughs> so we work together often, and, yes. uh, you know, we, we do that whole thing on campus. Mm-hmm. We do nice. that whole thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's fun. So 
That's about it. Huh? That's about it. I'm she not likes gonna... to keep the air mystery. I don't know. Okay, I can say that I, you know, films and like documentary film and that type of communication is more yeah. my See, more my style. Good dreams, like yeah, those are, you want to be like a producer or something. Yeah, or? I think producing yeah. or directing mm-hmm. those types of roles yeah. are kind of what I'm making communications work for me. Okay, right on. Yeah, right on. Very nice. So, uh, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So the topic for today's episode is movies. Yes, yes. Oh, dude, you're right. Actually, that was kind of that was was the slickest. Oh my gosh, I accidentally did a segue. Good job. That was a good segue. So, yep, movies, movies. So the film, Seth MacFarlane could have done it better. Yeah, I mean, actually, it it was actually (laughs) like it was actually unwittingly like serendipitous or something. I don't know that we actually got two film majors. Dude, why do you? What we could have just let that be, like, wow, those guys got like film majors. Whoa, whoa, dude! Time. I don't you want could have people... really done it. You don't want people to think we know what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like <laughs> until I think that's part of our charm. Part of our charm is just eh, these guys strings of promises. These guys are flying by the seat of their pants. They have no seat. They have no pants. They're just <laughs> flying. <laughs> It's true. You guys That's... sell yourself short too much. I know. No, I, you know I, we sell ourselves short exactly yeah. as much as we <laughs> exactly. need to be sold. As short as you guys are Okay, worth. okay. Yeah. All right, so, okay, so topic is, is movies. I'll, I'll start things off. So I want to talk about a director that um, I, I, I'm actually certain that everybody in this room is familiar with him. Actually, Miles, I, fee- I feel like you more than anybody else might know him like, oh, yeah, of course. It's so-and-so. But for anybody listening at home and for anybody who does not know who Werner Herzog is, you're familiar, Miles? Yes. Yeah. Look at that. So Look Ma- at that. Miles knows his shit, Acknowledgement dude. nod. Mi- Miles is like, yeah. So uh, <laughs> actually, I made that reference to Ryan and Nusha Dead, the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead reference. And like Miles knew it. Like Miles, Miles gets so references, dude. His, yeah, he's he's a machine. I just references. Much, too much TV. You know what? Actually, Miles is the embodiment of TV tropes. He's just the walking trope. Server. He's who was, you aspire to be then. I guess so. <laughs> some value tropes. No, yeah. actually, you know what? In film class, I was always impressed with you. <laughs> Me? Yeah. I hardly ever talk. Wow, what a compliment. The, the <laughs> only thing I ever remember from one of our film classes that we ever did, I'm, I'm going to get to this topic in a second. I just want to say, the one, it was like the most surreal moment. I talked to Miles about it. It was the moment I realized that Disney films like transcended barriers. I remember back in the 90s. 2000s i'd be into like you know marvel comics but like there's nobody really to talk to about it you know you talk to some of your other friends but it's not like a a a public discussion but one day in our documentary film class just all of a sudden people started talking about black panther chala wakanda and and i just remember i was just so like it was like a surreal experience i chimed in i was like oh he's the he's the king of the dead he's the he's the king of wakanda and uh, I just remember, like, you know, how, uh, Xavier was a part of it, and a couple, yeah. like, couple girls were around us. There was like, another, another guy who yeah. was also part of it. And just, yeah. I remember thinking to myself, like, whoa, like, Marvel Films opened up this, like, doorway where you can have this discussion about the nerdiest topic I ever remember growing up. Without and everybody's going, fucking nerd. Yeah, yeah. 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 Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, so. That aside, so right. back to Warner Warner, Warner Herzog. Warner so Herzog. Warner Herzog is a director that everybody is familiar with, even if you don't know the name. Actually, I'm gonna tell you a movie, and Ryan's gonna be like, "Oh shit, yeah, Grizzly Man, dude. He oh, okay. is the guy who did yeah, Grizzly yeah. Man." So Warner Herzog is everybody knows his voice. He is one of the most influential filmmakers in the world. Um, he he's a German director. He's, he hasn't really done any American productions, but he is a German director, and he is. Very, very famous. Uh, Roger Ebert once said about him, 
uh, Werner Herzog has never created a single film that is compromised, shameful, made for pragmatic reasons, or uninteresting. Even his failures are spectacular. And um, just so, wow. just wow. so you guys, <laughs> calm down. You know, he, he really, he's like, <laughs> I want to give you just you know five stars. I want to yeah. give you just like you know. You get yeah. five stars for even trying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, five, yeah, yeah, five, five stars and a wink. Yeah. 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 So I want to play just a quick clip just so you remember who Werner Herzog is. Because some of you guys in the audience might not know, so the listeners. So this is Werner Herzog, just so you know his voice. Oh, wait. That's not it. Wow. Uh, that was the weakest. More strings. More strings. All right, here we go. Amateur here, hour. Here's the actual here, clip. These penguins are all heading to the open water to the right. But one of them caught our eye, the one in the center. He would neither go towards the feeding grounds at the edge of the ice, nor return to the colony. (laughs) Shortly afterwards, we saw him heading straight towards the mountains, some 70 kilometers away. Dude, wait a like. <laughs> Dr. Ainley explained that even if he caught him and brought him back to the colony, he would immediately head right back for the mountains. By the way, by the way, when I die, if I couldn't get Morgan Freeman to narrate my like, <laughs> yeah. death, you definitely would want one of those dogs. Dude, this is a He's documentary. A about- yeah. Dude, by the way, he made his voice and the music, yeah. made a penguin just walking... <laughs> away or just yeah. walking in some distance somewhere like the most epic and kind of sad thing in the world yeah. well the, the documentary is saying that this penguin is marching to his death that's his but he he's making it sound so epic he does it so eloquently and German and German he sounds very German real so, German so now we know who Werner Herzog is so basically just so you know so Werner Herzog is an extremely eccentric and a little de- deranged but he's also extremely passionate he once walked from Munich to Paris in the winter because he one of his friends was dying and he wanted to be there by their side. So take a plane, bro. <laughs> well, this is this is like the <laughs> old days of like the 1960s. The, the old days what? of I the 1960s. I don't know. All I know is he couldn't he couldn't take a plane. He couldn't Back find his way there. Day. He walked <laughs> all the way from Munich to Paris to see his dying friend. He uh, once in a script sounds, that's that sounds what too far fetched? Like it's more for effect that I want to. He wanted to be able to say Ryan, that he. Walked. You don't even know Werner Herzog, man. Go read about him. Go I go do. meet him. No, you go meet him. <laughs> um, another time, he he. There's a script he was doing where a, a steamboat needed to be um, pulled up a mountain. Oh yeah, and he I actually demanded that. that a real steamboat be pulled up a real mountain by people. And he did it. <laughs> and yeah. he did it. And he did it. Um, he once got shot. During an interview, <laughs> like somebody straight up took a rifle and shot him, and he's like, "No, no, no! It's 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 not a, it's not a deadly bullet. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'll just keep going." <laughs> he just dedication. And uh, but, but there's one like very strong quality about him, which is that he is extremely passionate about his subjects, and he he deeply cares. But I think you might remember yeah. that scene in in Grizzly Man where he actually told the best friend of the uh, Treadwell, the guy who got eaten by yeah. bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoiler: guy got eaten by bears in Grizzly Man. But Go um, figure. but uh, he. <laughs> told her like listen destroy this tape you must never listen to this and watch like he he comforted her and said you should never listen to this tape because he listened and it was you know horrifying now what the tape of when he the tape of of treadwell dying uh, treadwell being eaten by a bear uh now there's another person i want to tell you about aside from herzog his name is klaus kinski 
Klaus Kinski is a German actor. He is a notorious German actor because he, by the way, people actually think, though, he is a, a genius. He is a great actor, but he's notorious. He often refuses to do anything, a director says. He physically attacks staff members. <laughs> by the way, if you want to imagine what he looks like, yeah. he kind of looks like Dennis Hopper with his giant eyes, like just like crazy he looks eyes. scary as hell. Or, or like Gary Busey. In in uh, that one movie, even crazier. Yeah, even crazier. In that one movie, Gary Busey movie. looks crazy in every <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah, you know that one movie where Gary Busey looked absolutely fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> um, aside from that, he's constantly, constantly threatens to quit productions all the time. That's his thing. He's like, I'm quitting. I'm never coming back. But he's also known as being an extremely brave and fearless actor. He will do his own stunts. He will do his own acting. He, he's not afraid to go into emotional and physical places that most actors would not go to in order to get the part, get the, the role, the performance right. Yeah. Um, but also people say he has no civility. He has no tact. He doesn't know how to address people. He just kind of acts like an asshole all yeah. the time. Um, actually, one, somebody once said about Kinski, which is why I mentioned Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper was in kindergarten compared to Klaus Kinski. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and by the way, this is actually funny. Steven Spielberg was so impressed by Kinski's dedication to acting and also how, how good of an actor he was that he actually wanted him to be Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Herzog became just fascinated by Kinski. I mean, these are two guys who are deeply, intensely passionate about their crafts and intensely passionate about filmmaking. And they had a deep, deep respect for each other. They adored each other and often would kiss each other and say they loved each other. And they actually shared an apartment together. I like how we were like, "Eh?" (laughs) Listen, that's just... they 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 shared an apartment. They shared an apartment together. I see where this is going. Okay, so here is a quote from Herzog. About Kinski. About Kinski. This is what Herzog said. He said, We had a great love, a great bond, but both of us planned to murder each other. (laughs) (laughs) Within the first day of moving... By the way, this has nothing to do with them moving in together. This is just their personalities, their passion. He said, Within the first day of moving in together, Kinski destroyed their bathroom in a fit of rage, (laughs) smashed the sink, shattered the showerhead, pipes everywhere. He just destroyed it. Uh, they both would shout at each other within inches from their face for hours. <laughs> like people are like, "Oh my god, when will they stop?" Just, just shouting at each other. Um, one other. <laughs> this Sounds is where like I guess a great love story. By the way, yeah. when I when when they said <laughs> they're about to make out is what's happening with that yelling. Yeah, they're really there's actually a rule of thumb. Yeah. There's a rule of thumb, guys. <laughs> where the rule of thumb is this: if you ever meet your other half, your other self, or you know your yourself, basically, mm-hmm. there's only two things you can do that you would learn something new, right? You can either fight or fuck. fuck okay. You either have sex with that person who is you, or you fight them because there's literally nothing else you'll learn that's new. You okay. know everything; they're the same person. Yeah. Okay. So okay. it's not going in the fuck direction. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, because that quote that about them of. wanting to yeah. murder each other—at <laughs> least not yet—they weren't not. metaphorically, figuratively saying, "I want to murder, murder him." Each other. Literally, yeah. They wanted to murder each other. Uh, Herzog said, we had plans to kill each other, strangely enough, at exactly the same time. It was like a detective story. (laughs) They would constantly come up with schemes and plans and ways of trying to kill the other person in some way. So um, on the set... Have you heard about this before, by the way, Miles? About about the the mur- like the murder schemes that Herzog had. Um, I haven't heard about the murder schemes. I know about their like their relationship. Yeah, yeah, it was intense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, actually, 
uh, I mean, you might have heard about it from this. That he made a, Herzog made a documentary about his relationship with Kinski, yeah. and it, it was called uh, "My Best Fiend." Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> and you have to imagine oh, him no. in his German accent say, describing German. his own relationship yeah. with Klaus Kinski. But here's here's I mean here's where it gets crazy though. On the set of a film called Aguirre, Wrath of God, um, Kinski. By the way, on the set of this movie, Kinski claimed he was like channeling jesus christ himself at one point he was just like i am jesus christ (laughs) like he was intense and crazy so anyway at one point kinski was being so difficult on set herzog was approached by a local indian tribe they're filming in the middle of south america he was approached by a local indian tribe and and they offered to Kill Kinski. Kill Kinski. And that guy seems really annoying. You want us to like do something hey. about that? Or? <laughs> we got. Yeah. You want us to take. <laughs> and the only reason Herzog didn't do it was like, well, it might affect the production. Yeah. Money. <laughs> getting getting the, the money is going to be kind of a challenge. But Herzog was seriously considering like this might be a good way to, to commit that to murder often. I've been planning yeah. for such a long time. <laughs> um, later. Kinsey got annoyed with some cast members. These cast members, it was off hours. They're playing poker in a cabin, and they're just being loud and rowdy. They're just relaxing. Kinsey got so pissed. He took a revolver, and he shot at the cabin over and over. Oh, my God. Nobody died. I didn't see this plot twist. (laughs) Nobody died, but one guy got his finger shot off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kinsey shot a dude's finger uh... off. And by the way, Kinsey's relationship with the cast members was... Was like so hostile yeah. that one, whenever Herzog, it was Herzog, so hostile that he shot someone's well, finger off. Yeah, it was more hostile than that to the point where whenever well, first Herzog did five movies with him, and Herzog likes to use the same people. Yeah. So whenever Herzog for one of his movies, like, all right, we're getting Klaus for the lead role, they're like, no, no, no. Jesus. Like they would freak out, but they um, they would be so upset about the casting of uh, Klaus Kinski that whenever there was like, a fight scene in a movie they would physically beat the shit out of Klaus <laughs> yeah. they would not fake right? it they <laughs> this would, is our chance they would just beat on him and actually Herzog said that Klaus was actually in constant pain because he did a lot of action movies he was in constant pain because people would just We're physically constantly beat yeah. the yeah. shit out of him and he actually felt sorry for Klaus but not enough not to kill him <laughs> um, at one point so yeah he, he, he shot he shot the, the crew member and uh and uh, Herzog, he got so upset that, that Klaus did this. That he shot someone's finger that off? That he, got, he yeah. shot somebody's finger off. That in the dead of night, <laughs> Herzog crept up to Klaus. Dude, this is so ridiculous. <laughs> he crept. <laughs> wait, 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 is this at their apartment? No, no. This, this, is, this, this is after cabin on set. This is cabin on when they were living cabin on, on set. set. Cabin okay. on set. He crept up to Klaus Kinski's cabin in the dead of night with a, a can of gasoline. And he planned to light the entire thing on fire. He doused the place in gasoline. And the only reason he didn't get a chance to light the match was because Klaus's dog was barking and Klaus woke up. And then he had to flee. Dude, he was like, I'm going to kill you and your dog. And yeah, I mean, the thing is, later on, they asked him, like, like, dude, were you seriously going to murder (laughs) Klaus? And he's like, like, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The only reason he did it was because he woke up, and, that, and it would have been a problem. Wow. But he absolutely wanted to murder 
Murder he's like, I'm ready. I'm to sure go he to said jail. it very elegantly too. Of course. <laughs> yes, I intended fully to murder Klaus. However, I, the dog. I fully <laughs> intended to end his, his life. And before you move on, yeah. There's actually a f- another funny thing about Herzog. Mm. He actually narrated and he was the character of – have you guys heard of Pla- the Plastic Bag short uh, film? Wait, wait, is it the one what? where the, bla- the bag is flying in the wind? Yeah. That was him? That's that's him. I had no idea. As soon as I heard the voice, I oh was like, gosh. that's Plastic Bag. And I looked it up. I made oh, sure to make that sure is... that it was him. Are you yeah. familiar with that? So funny. Yeah. It's a really yeah, good short film. I can't believe that him. was him. <laughs> Look at the bag. It is so sad. It's looking for its maker. He needs to find his purpose. His ma- wow. Yes, that's he was, plastic bag. He was also the main villain in Tom Cruise's Jack Reacher. <laughs> he was? Yes. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. I feel like that's a really, like, that's like a low thing low for him. Yeah. Low bar <laughs> thing for him to show up. He's over here being, you, like, plastic you know bag narrator. You know what's funny is he was, actually, <laughs> he was actually on, I think, I want to say it was... Um, he was on the Late Show, I think, with Stephen Colbert, and he was, and he was telling Stephen Colbert about how to forge a um, a filming permit. What? Yeah, <laughs> he was telling Stephen Colbert because he because Stephen Colbert was like, "What's the best advice you can give to what do people learn?" Because I guess um, Werner Herzog has his own kind of like guerrilla film school, and so he asked him, "What is your what is the thing? What is the best thing you teach them?" He says. How to forge a filming permit? <laughs> so, so he says he said they were filming in another country, and you know, some like general came up and said, "Where's your filming permit?" And he was like, um, "I'll mail it to you in a couple of days." And he just like made up a filming permit and sent it in and gave Looks it to him. Looks legit, badass. Yeah. Must be impressed with the accent. Just uh, this guy sounds. Yeah, like he, sounds, he, sounds, sounds, he, sounds like, yeah, he sounds legit. He sounds authoritative. Yeah, he does sound like he makes movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, okay, so um, so later, after this whole trying to burn you in your sleep thing happened, Klaus Kinski decided he's going to quit the production. He's like, you know what? That's it. I'm done. But that's I'm, classic Klaus. That's classic, classic Klaus. Klaus. <laughs> but, but Klaus died, was but claiming, you know, this time I'm going to quit. I'm done working with Herzog. So when Klaus you know, threatened to quit, Herzog, you know, calmed down, relaxed, pulled him aside, pulled him aside. Mm-hmm. And then pulled a gun on him. Oh my god! And he yeah. told him, "You'll finish the movie if you don't." <laughs> that was a pretty good. That was like that was, Arnold. That was, some that Arnold was like Arnold meets like Werner Herzog. You will finish the movie. Thanks. I guess <laughs> I would kill you, Klaus. Thanks, I guess <laughs> he told Klaus that if he doesn't finish the movie, he will shoot Klaus eight times and then shoot himself. Jesus, wow. he's like, we're going out together. <laughs> yeah. Dude, what's really creepy about what the whole going out together is they, they loved each other. They lived together for a while. They hated each other. They were passionate. Like, this was like the most intense, like, sexual relationship <laughs> yeah, two guys not having sex in, yeah. ever had. <laughs> Definitely the most intense director-actor relationship I've ever heard. So, wow. uh, Kinski, when this happened... Kinski rationally did agree to stay on set and complete like, the production. Jesus, man, all right. Later, he was interviewed about this whole getting a gun pulled on thing, and he said the reason he agreed was because he looked at <laughs> he looked at Herzog's eyes, and he said he could tell that Herzog was gonna kill him for real. <laughs> <laughs> He's and like, then, oh shit, I'm gonna die. And then, dude, 
Oh, you're totally serious about killing me. <laughs> Later, they interviewed Herzog about the same thing. Like, like, were you really going to kill Klaus Kinski? And Herzog said, like, oh, absolutely. I was going to murder him and leave him in the de- in the jungle. <laughs> he was no absolutely going to do like, it. Yeah. Uh, what? And he said it in the most casual, like, oh, of course. Of course I was going to. There's no doubt about that. Well, of so, course um, I was going to send him to the other side. <laughs> so at this point in time, modern times... Klaus has passed away, yeah. allegedly of natural causes. <laughs> okay. Poison. <laughs> Maybe. Um, the, yeah, Werner Herzog did make a documentary about him, My Best Fiend, okay. where he just recounts the life adventures of him and, uh, and Klaus. And um, here's the thing I just want to leave you guys with, this quote, <laughs> which, I mean, you have to remember that Klaus Kinsey was considered a genius actor, one of the right. greatest of his generation, yeah. but also that almost nobody can work with him because of how crazy he was. Yeah, yeah. This is what Herzog said about Klaus after he passed away. He said, (laughs) he said, Klaus was one of the greatest actors of the century, but he was also a monster and a great pestilence. Every single day, I had to think of new ways of domesticating the beast. (laughs) Dude, what if... This was like a eulogy almost kind of thing to say about your best yeah. your best fiend. Your best fiend. Dude. I, I loved to, him, but I hated him so much. He had to think of new ways of domestic. I had to train him quite well. I tried a shot collar one time. We tried the fence, but it just didn't work. Dude, just kept going. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually terrified of her song because of this. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty terrifying. You would never think the plastic bag was capable of murder. <laughs> Dude, also, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I reading about this, this is only something Ryan would get. I mean, yeah. you guys don't know this person, so... I felt like, dude, if I continued being Tommy Cox's friend, I think that would have been him and me. Like, we were crazy what passionate and we were. I, whatever. Crazy uh, but I'm just saying, we were both two guys who were intensely passionate. We already have the NSA but, like, listening. Intensely, like, yeah. intensely, yeah. like, but yeah, it's like. I, I mean, you guys have already, <laughs> on a much smaller scale, yeah. <laughs> kind of had your. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of had your. You never yeah. lived together. We, we never did live together, though. But I mean, anyway, the, just. Wait, this... the real question is who's who then? Who's who? Yeah, are you the Klaus? Ooh, yeah. I, I feel like. No, 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 no. I feel like I I'm, the Herzog. Herzog. I'm the Herzog. I'm the Herzog. I want to believe you're Herzog shooting? only because he came out on top in the story. Mm-hmm. Because he, <laughs> <laughs> he came out on top. Because, you and know, your Klaus voice. died. You have the voice. I, I feel like I'm more. I'm the one who's trying to maintain it, whereas, you know, he's got his eccentric passions, you know? I feel like I'm the Herzog in that relationship. Yeah. Yeah, but, but that was the beast. <laughs> the beast. <laughs> well, the beast. Maybe, maybe what they should have done is what you did: what? is you let the beast free. I let, let the beast free, free. and then you and Ronco. then you went to another country and yeah. just didn't live around him anymore. <laughs> yeah. By the way, great Klaus Kinski movie to watch is The Great Silence. Okay, well, uh, uh, I have to look that up. There. I, I literally Check had no idea. I feel like anything he Miles did. is going to have movie recommendations yeah. throughout. Just throughout the whole yeah. 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 this. Whoever's listening, just start a running Klaus list. Kins, yeah. If you want to see how crazy Miles recommendation is, movies. Watch the Great Silence. Yeah. It's yeah. like okay. it's like my second favorite like western of all time. Oh, spaghetti western. Okay. Dude, I, I'm afraid of that man with a gun. <laughs> Klaus Kinski. Well, really, yeah. in your story, <laughs> he's not the one to be afraid yeah, of. The gun. Well, no, he had a gun. He shot a dude's finger off. That's actually you're right. He's yeah, the yeah, only he person did. in your yeah, story he, who actually, actually shot someone. Yeah. <laughs> huh. yeah, but anyway, that's that's the story of uh, those those two. Of Werner those and Klaus. Old traps. Yeah. Werner yeah. and Klaus. A love Werner story. And Klaus. 
Werner and Klaus, <laughs> a love, my best fiend. A, a love story. A love story. Yeah. No, seriously, I feel In like gasoline. I feel like those guys just took the other route. Instead of fucking, they just they fought. Yeah. They, they fought. fought. They could have solved they all their problems. Fought. They just, just would have just just come on, just get it out of you. Do not make yeah, that. Yeah, there's some sorry. sexual frustration going on. Sorry, man. Well, I just. <laughs> Can't well, they can't. You. They can't see what he's they doing. Just Only quit. we can. I can't quit you. Yeah. I, I, can't, quit I you. can't quit you. You're my fiend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brokeback Mountain, Brokeback Mountain reference. Yeah. reference. <laughs> so, Miles, what uh, what other things can you share with us? What, what's what'd your you, what'd you bring? What do you what'd you what'd bring? You to the table what did I bring? Yeah. Um, what I brought was, I think we should talk about sequels. Let's talk about sequels. Let's talk about, Let's talk sequels. about sequels. The All second right. of the things. The second of things. Okay. Because because I don't know if you heard, apparently the sequel season this year has been really terrible. Has the sequel has season been is. good <laughs> ever? There, there are some movies that years ago. expected. Listen, yeah. I understand that there are good sequels yeah. that exist. I'm saying sequel season when they're like, guess oh, yeah, what, yeah. guys? Every movie we did last year, we're doing like the second yeah. one. <laughs> I mean, they say that. I mean, from the film classes I've taken, you guys can attest this. You guys have taken more film classes than mm-hmm. me, probably. They say that um, there, that Hollywood goes through cycles where yeah. there are oh, yeah. new ad- there's new adaptation. No, sorry, there's new uh, uh, franchises that come out for like ten yeah, years, for 10 and then years. for the next ten years, it's new adaptations, sequels. Yeah, and now uh, we're stuck with two like decades that. of Fast and Furious movies. But here's the thing, though. I feel as <laughs> oh, though God. the last twenty oh, years have been sequels and adaptations. I feel like Hollywood no, has been really stuck in a rut for almost twenty years. There's no it's creativity true. anymore. Exactly. So actually, one of the things I heard once was Ghostbusters. There's like a saying: yeah. Ghostbusters was the last original movie Hollywood made. And then it's funny if they just made a sequel. <laughs> they made a sequel. Uh, well, sequel, sequel, like a reboot. Surprise! A reboot. Yeah. A sequel. It's all reboots Surprise. and sequels. Yeah. I actually heard that it didn't do very well. Did any of you guys see it? I didn't see it. Nope. I didn't see it either. Yeah. That probably tells you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I just haven't had a chance to see it. Yeah, I mean, the thing about sequels for me, at least, is I, I generally, I honestly, I don't watch, not sequels, sorry, reboots. Re- I don't generally watch reboots. I I, ju- I mean, if it's, like, really, really good or it's something something that catches my eye, maybe, but yeah. very rarely. The like only reboot that I've been kind of into lately is the Roots reboot. Oh, Have I heard about that. that? Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's on Hulu. Hulu. Yeah. Is it good? Yeah. yeah, it's pretty good. I've only seen the first episode, but... Oh. It's actually pretty. pretty I, good. Wa- I thought it was going to be. I saw most of the sequel show. movies this summer, and I would say I think the only one I was actually like really, really kind of liked was the Star Trek. Beyond. Oh, yeah. Star okay. Trek Beyond. Okay. Even though it seemed to be more in fan service than it like seemed to like original, stand on yeah. its own, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> as a film. Um, I saw Born. That was terrible. <laughs> Wait, wait, Born What's was Born? terrible, really? The, the Jason, fourth Jason Bourne movie. Oh, fourth Jason oh Bourne okay. Movie. If you've seen the last Dude, just Born now? You know what the thing... Just Born. Just Born. <laughs> you know what the problem with the Bourne movies is? And I, I, I liked the original yeah, trilogy. Right. Matt Damon is old now. He's like old he, now. Uh, What are you still doing, Jason I just, Bourne? I don't Retire have... on a beach somewhere. Yeah. Wear a Hawaiian shirt. A big thing for Matt Damon, really. Which is... I don't know. You don't have a you don't what? I Matt Damon is like the everyman. I don't know. <laughs> I, I do like Matt Damon. I'm not gonna lie. I, I mean, as no, an actor, I, I like yeah. Matt Damon. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just the oddball. Maybe you're just the oddball. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a lot of people do like him. I just maybe just, I just don't buy it. Yeah, you don't buy. It. Well, so, <laughs> you don't buy the. Yeah. Uh, well, what about sequels? Were you going to? <laughs> um, 
well, doing so stunts. I read this article that was about how to save the sequel, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like just the idea. Just of the, the idea just of the saving sequel. sequels, yeah, yeah. right? Okay. And one of the points they made is that a sequel should stand on its own. <laughs> right. As yeah. a movie, what that, a concept! Yeah. Right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that a, yeah, right. Genius. That a sequel, <laughs> that a sequel a shouldn't job. have to reference everything that came before it for it to be. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I feel like movies like Civil War and uh, Winter Soldier, the Marvel movies that they've been yeah. doing, kind of do that same thing. They just kind of stand on their own as just here's this movie about this thing. Same. You know what's funny though but... is in the article it mentioned Civil War and yeah. they referred to Civil War as an elongated like TV pilot. <laughs> 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 that I was a critique. Let's you didn't watch it yet? Did you watch Civil War? No, nope. you didn't watch Civil War. Dude, you haven't watched Civil War. We gotta watch it. Together. I haven't no. either. So I think we both can times dude, I, I specifically didn't watch it because when I saw the trailer, I was like, ugh. You, dude, I'm I'm so over Same. superhero movies in general, which I know is like uh, a no, blasphemous no, thing I'm, to say. I'm, to I'm you. also no, dude. What are you but doing? I, just, I, I, I uh, swore them off. I swore off. You swore off Marvel. superhero movies. I, I don't even read comic books anymore, dude. I'm just done with comics. I'm done with comic book movies. But then. I watched Civil War and I was like, "Man, I haven't had this much fun in a movie in like a while." Like it was just yeah. a fun mm. movie. Civil War was okay. a fun movie. Yeah, well, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, it was just, and I think you know the thing was for me at least, I hated the Marvel movies for so many years. Yeah, I hated. I mean, I watched them, but I hated them. But it's because of the fact that <laughs> Not I hated them, but I hated them. <laughs> I you know read the comics. I'm a big yeah, comic. Exactly. I've been reading for like since I was a kid. Um, the the thing was though they were never like the movies. Everything I think the one of the things that like made me so upset, but I, I liked the movie, mm-hmm. was I hated Star Lord in the in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. No. I liked their interpretation. No, no, I liked the character that they had for the movie. Yeah, but that guy is not Star Lord. Like that guy is like a totally different. So dude. you're just you're just basically the classic like comic Don't. book guy who's uh, just like know. oh well, this isn't like the comic fit. books well, it doesn't no, work yeah, I think he's no, like no, no, no. it needs to fit on, what i want it no, to no, be no, no, no. it's not i'm not approaching no? from that perspective i'm okay. saying think about this though if you have a character like han solo and you adapt him for a tv show and han solo is a bookish nerd guy who's like trying to like get the girl or something yeah. like that's mm-hmm. not han solo it's not like that i'm yeah. not saying you gotta stick to the movie like the comic exactly as this i'm just saying i felt that there's certain characters that are not true to like who, true they are. to who they are. Basically, what they did with Star Lord, though, they're like, all right, we got Chris Pratt. He's a great actor. He's funny. They just made him Chris let's, Pratt. Basically, just let him do and the Chris like, Pratt well, thing. Yeah, Star Lord. Like that's and mm, that's why I was I like, Star Lord was his own guy. Like, he's, he's Chris Pratt. Yeah. Stay true in to space. the character. And also <laughs> another issue with the whole. And we're getting off subject. I want to get back to this thing. The comic book movie thing is that comic book movies always circle back to the comics because yeah. they want synergy. They want the comic books to yep. reflect the movie. Yep. So now they're like the Star Lord that I read about all these years is gone. Like now it's this Chris guy Pratt. who now it's Chris Pratt. It's Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. Now it's Chris Pratt. Now Drax. Drax who used to be like this really intelligent, sophisticated killer. Now he's a guy who takes everything literally. Like just because that was like a joke. And then, so I mean I don't know. I'm just like ah. Eh. But I mean I don't know. The point is now that I've done, I've stopped reading comic books now yeah i've actually started enjoying the movies more like i'm just yeah, kind of like really? now that i just don't care i'm just like eh, all right it's kind of fun <laughs> you know i don't know i've enjoyed it so i mean go, go on miles so just what sequels yeah. sequels um yeah i mean i totally agree a movie stand on its own i think that's why the dark knight works so well it's a sort of a sequel that stands on its own as its own movie. Yeah, I mean, The Dark Knight. I tell people don't even watch the other movies. I say watch The Dark Knight. <laughs> watch The Dark it is, Knight. It's not even. The, it's not. Dude, I, I remember watching it and I thought this is not even a Batman movie. This is a crime thriller. This is a crime yeah. thriller. Like, so I, I forgot Batman's in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just crime thriller with Batman. Yeah. With Batman sometimes. featuring Batman. Yeah. 
<laughs> featuring Batman. Featuring Batman. <laughs> the, the detective happens to wear a mask. That's yeah. All. yeah, yeah, that's all. That's the only difference. <laughs> Were there other things that uh, that you read about that need to be done to save sequels? Um, the other thing was to stop making them feel like elongated TV shows. <laughs> mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the one, yeah, that was the thing that really stuck out to me. Is they were like, even Civil War feels like just a over budget TV pilot. I mean, I mean, one thing I'll say about Civil War, by the way, is as much as I love the movie, yeah. and I love. I mean, really, you watch the movie, dude, for the interactions of the characters, because it uh, is, dude. That dude. you know what's funny about that is that is the thing that I don't like about superhero movies, like Avengers and Avengers Two really? and whatever. Dude, the thing the for me is just. I like character interaction just yeah. as anyone else, but I it's so painfully obvious for me when I watch things where they're like, oh, look, the Hulk and Iron Man are, ter- are like tearing up the city together or they're yeah. like hanging out. I'm just like, ah, this feels oh, so... Look, they're all trying to lift Thor's hammer together. Yeah, it, just, it, feels, <laughs> it feels so just like uh, you're, you're really trying to get like Rachel and Joey together right now. It, it feels so <laughs> fake <laughs> and crappy to me and I'm just yeah. like... I, I, I can see through it, and it bugs me. It takes yeah. me right out of the movie. I see. Yeah. Love yeah. your friends. It reminds me of that. Earlier. Yeah. 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 Think about that. It reminds mm-hmm. me of that. I don't know if you saw that meme. Maybe you knew she did, but it was of it was it was about Civil War, and it was when you're expecting this, and it showed like all like the hundred characters that are in the Civil right. War, right? And then the bottom panel was just the six characters. It, that it, are it's in It's just Civil a War. pitch fight in a parking lot. Yeah. Basically, exactly. <laughs> It, I mean, actually, I'm not gonna. Say, I'm not gonna lie. The Anchorman fight was better than the Civil War fight. Yeah. I'm I love not gonna that. lie. <laughs> I love the Anchorman fight and the love Anchorman, Anchorman fight. fight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, so, um, yeah, those were the two big things that stuck out. Was just a sequel should stand on its own because all the sequels just seem to be um, in service of maybe the brand. Yeah. Or right. right. So like they were talking about like one of the big was like. You know, Alice through the Looking Glass. Oh, that movie! Mm-hmm. That, yeah, dude, I oh, do not movie? believe oh, there was movie? a sequel to that. <laughs> Only because, I, I, listen, I don't like Johnny Depp. Yeah, but there are times where Johnny Depp does roles where I'm like, Johnny Depp, you are Johnny Depping too hard. Yeah, yeah he's just way too far. And the two, the two examples of that dude were the uh, the Alice movies Alice, the Alice and movie? also the uh, Lone Ranger movie. The Lone Ranger I was just movie. like, dude, you are. You're giant depping really hard. Johnny right depping. It wasn't the one where he had the mustache. That? <laughs> where he had the mustache. Which one was that? I don't, I don't the um, one that came out last year. Johnny depping too hard. <laughs> yeah, Johnny depping too hard. Dude, but he, I do agree. Johnny Depp does Johnny Depp too hard. That sounds like recently. a dance move. Yeah, to have the Johnny, the Johnny Depp. Depp. Johnny Depping. We be Johnny Depping. Too much. Depp I you know what Johnny Depping is though. It's just being Captain Jack Sparrow. Like that's his yeah thing. He just he just I'm gonna be this guy in every movie now. He he hasn't stopped. I mean, there's that's, movies where he was. Okay, he well, used to do like really, he was a very subtle actor. I like yeah, that's movie. why yeah. that's why I'm glad that's he like did. The only thing I yeah. well, here's the thing. Really I think because Pirates of the Caribbean was the first time he did that. We've never seen right. such. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it was deft acting in the sense yeah. that nobody wanted him to do that. <laughs> yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean, the script didn't call for that. Right, and everybody was like, "Are you drunk? Yeah, are you literally drunk on rum? Yeah, he literally worked on that. It works on that character on island. But you know, I love Johnny Depp in. He was really good in Black Mass, and I was like, Johnny Depp is finally doing acting in this movie. He was really good in Blow. And Blow. Oh, yeah. Blows? I forgot. And one Blow. of his Donnie best. Brasco. Donnie Brasco, yeah. Dude. Yeah. Donnie Brasco is a good movie. And I just heard he I just, mean, he's a good actor. He's in a lot yeah. of good things. Yeah. But then he also has this weird sect of things where he's just like, I'm going to just Too be far. Captain Jack Sparrow. Well, he does. Well, he like going, he's going Todd the Marlon Brando route. Yeah. Oh. Did you guys ever see that <laughs> Sweeney Todd thing? Yeah. I actually have a story related to that. Yeah. The what? The Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. The barber. Yeah, yeah. Gone the wrong. Barber of Fle- yeah. 
I I never saw it. You, you know the thing about Sweeney Todd is, and by the way, I want you to know that I downloaded the soundtrack to Sweeney Todd, even though I've never you seen it. You and your soundtracks, I, I know. Love it. Can we talk every about every news, I'm like really. Nush actually does not listen to real music. Yeah, he, he listens to movie soundtracks, movie soundtracks, soundtracks <laughs> movie bands s- from high school, movie soundtracks, yes. and video game soundtracks, yeah. and, video and game soundtracks. just bands he used to listen to in high school: Blink One Eighty Two, Sum Forty One. Fans with numbers in their names. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's all he's got. What was it trio. that you said that everyone was laughing so hard? Dude, well, I said that one day I was jamming to the Home Alone yeah. song. The Home Alone song? Who really? jams to I the Home like... Alone soundtrack? <laughs> you know what's also funny is like when you're in the... <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Everyone know they, can, they have the internet. They can yeah. listen to it themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I'm driving with him and I'm like in the car with him, he either has no... There's nothing. There's no music. Mm. Yeah. Nothing. Or he's like, oh, I can put my iPod on. And it's just like orchestrated video you know game music or like <laughs> movie soundtrack. Home Alone. I was at Home Alone. I, I've, a, I've actually asked Ryan to like recommend music. music? He's like, I yeah, don't. teach no. me about cool music. Yeah. It's okay, Noosh. I'm just saying I was at my um, cousin's baby shower last week and and people are just like playing their music from their phones into the speaker. So I just decide, you know what? I'm going to play the thing from Stranger Things right <laughs> now. <laughs> Stranger Things is a good. Did soundtrack. anyone and figure then, it out? They're like, "What is this?" Yeah, and then I started <laughs> playing, on, and then I played the theme song creepy. from Narcos. <laughs> you know, what? I haven't seen the. New I haven't seen that season. either. You haven't seen Narcos. I had a lot of people talking I about it in my creative producing class. But you know, I'm just like I play. You know, I like to make like playlists of like my favorite like soundtrack themes. You know, like John Williams and of course um, Ennio Morricone. So hmm. I I even get ready to that stuff sometimes. Like I'll just be playing the Star oh, Wars hey. theme. <laughs> that's how you get ready to go. Oh, out. that's just... some good stuff to yeah. pump you up. The Star Wars theme song. By the way, what I was saying about Sweeney Todd is this. The, back to your reference. <laughs> yeah, okay. Right? Sweeney Todd. I, I did down the soundtrack. I've never watched the musical. Okay. But the thing about Sweeney Todd as a musical that is really kind of a weird thing is Sweeney Todd appeals to a really specific fan base. Yes. People who like musicals. Yeah. And people who like murder stories. And yeah. Johnny And that Depp-y. is a real, and, and really specific little niche right there. You know what's funny is I can think specifically of people who fit yeah. in there. Yeah, I'm not going to say their names on the radio, okay. but... Don't, don't dox them, bro. Eclectic yeah. bunch of yeah. Yeah, exactly. humans. Yeah, well... <laughs> Okay, so I, I'm not sure how we got to the Sweeney Todd. Oh, Johnny Depping hard. Johnny, yeah. De- right. Johnny Depping Johnny, hard. Hard. By the Johnny, Johnny Depping Johnny Depp's so hard. hard, though, and I think it's because he has a really bad influence, and that's Burton, dude. Burton is yeah, a Tim bad Burton's influence. like, I want you to... Burton is that Burton kid next door who's like, hey, dark. Johnny, want to go do yeah. some, like, blow at my house? I want to do some blow and, and <laughs> yeah. do, do some, some depping. Yeah. 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 I don't know, Tim. I don't know, Tim. So, yeah, so, I've read quotes where they call Johnny Depp like the court jester of method acting. <laughs> hmm. He's just kind of the court jester. That makes sense. Dude, I don't know how you Very, method act yeah. some of his roles. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, can't, I got drunk for this. He's a jester. I got drunk for this. method acting. He's like, I'm a method actor. I May, you know what? I would actually respect it if in like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, he really did all those drugs. Then I'd be like, I, like yeah, I agree. Yeah, man, and good then for he you. was hey, still they're, able they're to. They're really driving Hunter S. Thompson's car, human. which is yeah. probably as close as you'll get. Yeah. Well, so, so, anything else anything about else, sequels? Sequels you want to add? Or? Anything else about sequels? Um, that Hollywood should just start making new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Get more creative. Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Make new movies. Make yeah. new movies. Not 
We, well, actually, they should make a movie called Operation Midnight Climax starring Jonah, we gave them Jonah Hill pitch. and uh, History James gave Franco. Them a pitch. You guys gave them a pitch? <laughs> there is a, you should listen to our last hey, week's Hollywood. episode on drugs. <laughs> Miles, okay. where we pitch a movie called Operation Midnight Climax starring uh, Seth Rogen and James Franco and also Danny McBride, you Michael Sarah, You basically just got the Jonah whole Hill. gang together. <laughs> yeah, the whole gang. Because that is the only way they that movie's perfect gonna, into that. What movie. was it that is, one movie where the where the world ended? There, this, this, this is the end. This is the end. It's yeah. like basically this is. This the is end. like a, a this is the end, but in the CIA. Yeah, in the but CIA. But in the CIA, <laughs> plus, everybody's plus on LSD. Serious, and everybody's on LSD all the time. All the time. We're all messed up. All right, so Niku, what uh, what have you got for us? Um, I'm actually gonna start with a joke. Okay. Um, just bear with me here. Um, it basically starts off with a tourist is backpacking in Scotland and he stops in town for a drink at the bar and it's a, it's a local pub, it's very old and he sits down, he gets his beer and he turns to the guy next to him who's like this very old man mm-hmm. and the guy turns to him and he's like, you see this bar? I built this bar with my own hands and I, you know, I whittled the wood and I cared for it like it's my own child. And and the guy's just kind of like confused as to why this guy is starting off by telling <laughs> right, yeah. him all these weird things. And he's just like, you see this stone wall outside? Um, I built this stone wall with my own cold, dead hands and I, and I toiled through the wind and the cold and... <laughs> And I work so hard, but they don't call me McGregor the Stone Builder. And the guy's like, okay. Um, and then he, he starts to kind of go on, and he's like, you see that pier out there? I, uh, I found all the wood, and I planked it, and I, and I made this pier, but they don't call me McGregor the Pier Builder. And the guy's kind of just like, okay, okay. And then he's like, well, you, you see this? They they don't call me McGregor the stone wall builder. They don't call me McGregor the bar builder. But you fuck one goat. <laughs> 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 so that's my segue. Yeah. Um, I got that joke from Andrew Stanton, who's a filmmaker for Pixar, mm. and he did a TED talk and he opened with that joke, and I thought that because was really. For all of his accomplishments, he fucked one goat, and that's yeah. what everyone knows him <laughs> That's what everyone knows him for. Well, Built they call Pixar. him McGregor yeah. the goat fucker. Yeah. Not McGregor, McGregor the bar the builder, yeah. not right. McGregor the this and that. So, anyway, so the joke basically is a segue into the talk about um, how storytelling is a lot like joke telling, and how when you tell a certain thing, it's, it's all leading up to this kind of, like, punchline yeah. or reveal Mm -hmm. so he kind of segued that joke into talking about um clues to great storytelling and the reason why i'm talking about this is because in film nowadays like we were talking about the sequels yeah um there's not a sense of authenticity out there no and that's why the viewers are so over the movies that are out there i was looking through the the new movies just to be like oh like what can i talk about I haven't seen a single one because none of them, yeah. you know, draw me in. And like, how new though are you talking? Like in within this last year that have come out yeah, that you're like, just not into? Literally yeah. all the new movies that are, are out sequels? there, have, I haven't seen a single <laughs> one because they're all either remakes, sequels. What is the yes. last movie we saw? Last movie I saw was Civil War. I think so. <laughs> it's with Aaron. It's with Aaron and those guys. Yeah. That's, 
Oh wait, no, the last movie we saw was Digimon, dude. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. We watched Digimon, together. which was also which a sequel. Was like, which is also <laughs> a sequel. Digimon. We watched Try. Yeah, yeah, dude. Forgot about that, dude. Yeah, we did forget about that. That's weird. That was like last. That was week. like last. That was like like recent. Well, Thursday. that doesn't count. Yeah. I mean, it does because it's a sequel. But yeah, but it was really good though. It was. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> Hol- that's not a Hollywood movie though. That's true. That's true. True. <laughs> um, so a little bit more about what I kind of wanted to talk about was the idea of editing from the screenplay to the screen and kind of like how there's not really a particular set of rules or guidelines for filmmaking these days. It's kind of whatever works, works, and you'll figure it out once it's out there kind of thing. And I I found that that was really interesting in my research, finding little funny stories about certain movies, about how sometimes the little things that we remember about movies are actually improv and they're yeah, not right. written in there. Yeah. You know what is kind of funny about that though? Is if you think about it, you know, they get a budget for a movie and they're given whatever millions of dollars for mm-hmm. like some person to write a script, script gets filmed, whatever. But yeah. the best part of that movie has nothing to do with any of that. It's just some actor saying something like, oh, yeah. that's yeah. funny. You know exactly. You know Han Solo's famous famous right. I know I heard about that. Was Harrison Ford improving? Yeah, because oh, yeah. the line was it. "I love you too." Yeah, yeah but he but changed it. He changed it because he was like Han Solo. Yeah, because he said Han Solo would never say that. <laughs> yeah, and he never did because of he that. Never did. So. Yeah. Um. So a little bit about the two kind of examples that I wanted to bring up is a scene from Anchorman that Paul Rudd is speaking to Will Ferrell about Sex Panther, this cologne. And Paul Rudd is trying to get a reaction out of Will Ferrell because Will Ferrell always keeps in character and he's very put together and he doesn't laugh out of turn and he doesn't really like break character. But Paul Rudd's character, or just him in general, he laughs and he kind of breaks character. So he's trying to get Will Ferrell to break and the scene where they're talking about Sex Panther, he's like, 60% of the time it works every, every time. time. That's the and that's, that's totally line. improv. Yeah. And Will Ferrell just is like, well, that doesn't even make any sense. And he just completely <laughs> just responds, doesn't even break. And Paul Rudd's just... You know what's actually funny about Will point, Ferrell is, what? now that I think about him, because I was like, ah, it's, it's weird to think that he's... Because he's, you know, like a ridiculous kind of just like all right. of his roles are kind of like yeah. dumb yeah. but funny. I He doesn't break hair. Like even in interviews and stuff, like I saw an interview where he was on Conan and he had like a bird on his shoulder for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so he – the whole time he's like really sticking to this like, oh, well, let's not talk about the bird. Thing. Like he, he has like this whole – Whatever, like he really sticks to the character of yeah. Will Ferrell with a yeah. bird on his shoulder. Too. but. And you know what? Huh. To go back to this at the end, since you brought it up earlier, I remember reading that Seth Rogen said it became like a game on set <laughs> where they would – where Seth Rogen wanted to see um, what people's breaking points were <laughs> to huh. certain things. And so he said, he said, you know, like Jonah Hill was absolutely, you know, against the um, – I forgot what – I think it was the part where he was praying <laughs> – where he's praying to Jesus about not getting raped by the oh about, about yeah the, yeah yeah so he said that he wanted to see how far people would go and he said the funniest thing was that James Franco absolutely went the farthest than anybody like he would just he not would. break yeah he would 
<laughs> That's funny. Um, so the other example that I wanted to talk about is this movie, The Holiday. Have you guys ever seen it? No, can't say. I mean, yes. Don't. Are you it's talking about Kate Winslet one? Is it Kate Winslet? It's, um... Are you talking about the... Yeah, it is Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet and, um, and Cameron Jack Diaz Black and Jack and Black Diaz. and Jude Law. It's kind and of Jude one Law of those <laughs> cheesy love story It was like movies. a love actually kind of a thing. Kind of. Rom-com. It was probably in yeah. that same... Jude Law is it's not an action movie. It's probably that. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Jude Law is the only boy action star. Action yeah. star. Okay, so what I wanted to talk about is this scene where they're in like a movie rental establishment, which doesn't even exist anymore. I know. Probably should give some background on that because nobody knows what those are anymore. Dude, you know, it's weird. This has nothing to do with movies at all, but there are kids alive now who will never know. Yeah. The people used to rent movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Blockbuster yeah. is like, wait, what it's is gross. what's what that? Anyway. So they're in a Blockbuster, and Jack Black is trying to show this woman his like love interest in the movie. Different movies that are kind of going to show her different styles of variations, because she hasn't seen a lot of movies. And he picks up the movie The Graduate, and they're kind of just like making fun of whatever. And... In the in the movie The Graduate, it um, plays Dustin Hoffman, and Dustin right. Hoffman was actually friends with the director of this movie, and just so happened to see them at the blockbuster. He just happened to be kind of like driving. So by. Dustin Hoffman is driving by the blockbuster yeah. while they're filming this movie. Exactly, and he's like, "Oh, I should stop by and see." Yeah, that's the, what. This yeah. is the story of like it's such a coincidence, and then that ended up being he ended up being in a part of the movie. Because they were talking about the graduate, and they, they just made this connection. And there's a scene where Dustin Hoffman's just kind of like shaking his head, and he's <laughs> at the blockbuster, <laughs> and <laughs> just like this random coincidence where Dustin Hoffman just so happened to be saying hi to the director, and the director was like, "Hey, do you want to be in the movie?" Yeah, and <laughs> that ended up being a part of the movie. So it's kind of just like you know, you can't really anticipate what the best decisions are going to be made until you're in that situation. Yeah. 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 And the Graduate's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, That's it's right. it's a classic. And and they didn't want Dustin Hoffman in it. <laughs> in oh, really? Yeah. They wanted Robert Redford at first, but uh, then they said Robert Redford's Redford. Redford's so old, man. Well, and also because they said Robert Redford, they said that when they interviewed Robert Redford for the movie, they asked Robert Redford, do you know what it's like to strike out with a girl? And Robert <laughs> Redford goes... What do you mean? <laughs> and they're like, that's exactly why you're not right for this movie. <laughs> and they're like, nah. Dustin Hoffman's like, I know. I know. <laughs> I know too well. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well. I mean, you know what's – did they used to have – would, would you say they used to have like a formula to make a good movie? Because, I mean, I've seen, seen people say like, oh, this is like – at least for storytelling or writing, you know, there's like the hero's journey or whatever. Right. And it's like a, formal that the, a formula that they try to – Follow. Oh, yeah, it's like well, it's you know, but they don't really. Structure. There, there was, I mean, even beyond stories, the formula for a good movie in the Hollywood Golden Age was you get two stars of high, you know, fame, mm-hmm. and yeah. you put them together with a script that is usually a comedy that's lighthearted, and yeah. that's a win. Like but, pretty much, comedies ruled Golden Age of Hollywood. More well, so yeah, than and now it's like but but blockbuster. But what you're action. saying is mm-hmm. there's definitely a structure to it, and there's this idea of craft and creativity, and you have to know 
the craft before you can be super creative. Yeah. And something that my professor actually said, which is really funny, is you're kind of two people. You're a child and you're a grown-up when you're writing a story. The child is the creative part that's bringing yeah. all these, like, fantastical ideas. Like, can we make this work? Like, maybe he, you know, can see through walls or something. Just, like, these really crazy ideas. And then the adult, which is the craft brings in the structure and yeah. how you're going to make those the ideas. The adult is, is you, work. part of yourself, yeah. saying, like, shut up, that's fucking stupid. Yeah, <laughs> but then, but sometimes the creative ideas, you, you can make them work into a structure, but good story and good storytelling has that structure, but to make it yeah. interesting and yeah. to make it relatable is that creativity and is your own kind of instinctual yeah. thoughts. And, you, you know, you use what you know. You use your own experiences and your own emotions through writing characters and you kind of put yourself in that position and you put yourself as your character. Like, how would I react to this certain stimulus or catalyst or whatever? And that that's a lot of the ways that is good writing is you're able to put your own emotional... Yeah. Um, or at least the response. believable. Yeah, it's believable because it's relatable because... Yeah, people I, react because like people, not. I, I wish I wish people in like writers, especially in Hollywood, were better at empathizing than just putting themselves and into things. Themselves because that's in. why it's always just white guy doing this, doing white, this. Guy white guy here, too. white guy whatever. Like if you could empathize <laughs> in, with how insert a woman, Matt Damon, Leonardo DiCaprio, or, right? Yeah, if you could <laughs> if you could empathize with like someone else, or and, and it's hard. I mean, maybe that's why they just need. A more diverse group of writers. But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And just like taking the idea of what we were talking about before, the plastic bag, that's not even a human. It's an inanimate object, yet there's so much emotion and <laughs> human, As humans, we project. I mean, naturally, they say that we look for, like, biologically, we look for faces in yeah. anything mm -hmm. because it's, it's like a defense mechanism when we were, like, more primal, you know? So that's why we hmm. see faces on cars is because by identifying faces... Oh, I faces, totally used to do that when I was like, a kid. Yeah, because we're totally like, uh, I think there's a face in that bush. I better and, not go over there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's the idea. That's why we, we're just patterned, like, to look at faces or find faces yeah. and things. So that's why we can actually project so much onto an inanimate object is because we're so used to projecting oh, yeah. into our environment. And the way it's written, you just... You feel for this stupid bag. It's it's just it's a, a bag. bag. It has feelings. It's, it's trying to find. It's, it's so intense, it's and by the end, you like, like you get chills, and you're wind. just you feel for this plastic bag, yeah. and that that's beautiful yeah. writing. Is that you're able to empathize with an inanimate and object I, and have I mean, this heartfelt. Sometimes, listen, remember yeah. that guy who empathized with and created this heartfelt story is a psychopath. Also, yeah, he almost shot a guy. He almost said a guy. He was the writer. He was just the narrator, oh. and he's a part of the cast, quote see, unquote. Which he, that means he was the bag. <laughs> he oh. he played the bag. Herzog. And yeah. so here's what the bag does when it doesn't get its way. It like covers it somebody and like, if, you, just, like if you don't just take me to my creator them. I won't let go of you ever yeah. oh no <laughs> bag up my really fiend yeah. bag my fiend bag <laughs> oh no <laughs> so Ryan what uh, what have you got for us I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this because you've made yeah, me alright so some so, secrecy yeah. around this yeah. this Shrouded topic here Christine, <laughs> when I heard about this story when I read about this story yeah I had to check with everyone in this room to make sure no one's heard of it. Because I couldn't believe that I didn't hear about this. Because this is probably the craziest film story okay. I've ever heard of or <laughs> we'll see. read about or whatever. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm okay. excited. So, 2008 to 2011. 
something weird is happening outside of Kharkov, Ukraine. Okay. 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 Setting. Is this, wait, is this the plot of the movie? No. Okay. Okay. So you're just giving so us like history. I'm giving of you what's the okay. setting. Okay. So there's a Russian a Russian director there making a movie. Okay. That that much is fact. Okay. Okay. But here are the rumors. People from Kharkov and people who were in the project and left. Like some of the things they were saying about this were like he took over Kharkov and he shut down the airport. He changed all the signs from Ukrainian to Russian. What? He was really what? doing – he was actually doing some kind of prison experiment and filming was like a secondary objective. What? He was a madman who built some kind of cult. And they were oh like God. mostly right. All of this is <laughs> – All of this, this is, is totally right. facts. Okay. So – Hard truth. The director was Ilya Chernovsky mm-hmm. and he only had one movie prior to this under his belt. Uh, some movie called Four. It won – Was it like a slasher, you know, one of – No, it was – the 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 synopsis I read on IMDb was four Russian people in a bar lie about their lives. Like that was whatever. And it won like awards. Huh. It was like okay. a the winner of like some film festival. But basically he used that win to get full creative control to make this other movie. Okay. Uh and when I tell you what this movie was about, it's gonna sound like, oh, whatever. And it doesn't it doesn't at all call for what he did. But basically he wanted to make a biographical movie about the life of the famous Russian physicist Lev Landau. Okay. Um okay. Nobel Prize winner. Like uh he did a lot for like quantum physics and stuff. Okay. 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 Russian cool. physicist. Shout right out to on, Lev. Right Shout out to Lev. <laughs> we need those smart science people. Here were some of the like conditions for him making this movie. No absolutely no deadline. He could hire or fire anyone <laughs> Dude, without any so reason. Anytime any person who's asking for money says i want no deadline that is no a deadline. red flag yeah. that means i'm yeah. gonna do some crazy how shit do you find money? a producer that's like that's he didn't just find one but i'll get to that but okay. <laughs> also he's a russian guy in ukraine which uh, yeah you know, there's that yeah so here's how we went about making this biographical movie about a physicist okay. from 1950s soviet russia he built a set that was almost 133,000 square feet and he turned it into basically a small city okay wow <laughs> okay <laughs> okay already pretty no ridiculous if, if you build a city within a city we have uh one of those uh yeah. you, you remember that movie uh S- sinker says something new york what's oh. that what's that uh that uh, director ryan's like can i oh <laughs> adaptation yes S- synecdoche new york yeah michael gondry <laughs> No, it wasn't Gandhi. Go on, right? Oh, and Charlie Kaufman. Sorry. Charlie Kaufman. Charlie. If you yeah, go on. Someone did, uh, <laughs> like, the set. Yeah. Someone, like, likened it to something similar to that. Okay. Um, he hired 210,000 people, uh. actors, extras. So far, I just want to say, this really is the plot of Cynic Doki New York yeah, right yeah, yeah. now. Okay. He hired 210,000 people. Yeah. <laughs> right. Wow. It's like a real-life version of that. Yeah. Okay. Basically. Uh, there was only one person in that entire cast who was a professional actor mm-hmm. one professional actress wow. okay. everyone else was just just random people yeah <laughs> uh he went into you he, be in my movie yeah uh I'll, I'll get to his like criteria for hiring people oh but, man there's a criteria but uh he went to like <laughs> insane levels of detail to recreate 1950 soviet russia no one was allowed to bring anything on set that was created after the year that they were filming for okay oh okay uh all the food, all the props, everything was, like, they had, like, real edible food. 
there, like cans of stuff or whatever. But he relabeled everything with the correct expiration dates. <laughs> wow. Wait, correct expiration, expiration dates. For 1950, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So nobody really? knows what's no going to expire. Knows. It's yeah. just, you know, <laughs> yeah. Nobody knows when it's expired. actually going to expire. Yeah. Because according to that, it's going to expire like 1959. 59. Yeah. Uh, he had like period appropriate cigarette brands and everything. Every building was fully functional. They had, like, apartment buildings I'm with sorry, apartments. I'm sorry, how much did this movie cost? <laughs> I'll tell you. He, uh, he had fully functional apartments with fully functional kitchens, fully functional toilets. The toilets, he even had custom-sized pipes put in so that the tenor and, like, the sound of the flush <laughs> oh, would oh match. Oh, my gosh. A 1950s toilet? <laughs> yeah. Wow. But, uh... What's crazier was what the actors oh, had to do. Oh, he's a method director. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say this is method yeah. directing. Yeah. <laughs> the actors, uh, you know, as I mentioned, none of them were professional actors, um, except for one woman. They were hired based on having done their role in real life. So he had guards who he oh, hired. Actual guards? Who were ex-KGB. Uh-huh. He uh-huh. had, uh, you know, physicists in the movie were played by real physicists. He had like. What are the people of Ukraine doing? That they yeah, they're do like, their real jobs. He didn't. He didn't fly. Screw they weren't from Ukraine. Job. He flew them in from like Russia, Russia. or from wherever else. Okay. Okay. Uh, the only professional actress who played the wife of Landau, mm-hmm. and <laughs> he, oh, wait. he there was wait, an actor who, who played, played Landau. Landau? There yeah. was. I'll, I'll tell oh, you. Okay. Okay. But yeah. the wife was the only professional actress. Okay. okay. And he forced her to work in a chocolate factory in a hospital for a year before <laughs> for a year before doing this role to beat the actress out of her. Uh, okay. That was his yeah. Okay. And uh, Landau himself was played by a Greek conductor because he wanted he needed a genius to play a genius. He didn't care if he was an actual he physicist. They had to, to be a genius, genius though. So he was like some Greek conductor. Okay. There needs and to be a movie made about this. this there should be a movie yeah, made about the about making this, of, yeah. this movie. Yeah. of of Dow. Forget the room. This needs to be. Yeah, so uh, not only were they not allowed to have modern items or clothes, down to their underwear, they had to wear like, <laughs> like bloomers the big, or something. Big, bloomers. Giant, and it made like, sense for underwear. women, I guess, maybe the, the way that things sit. Yeah. But men also had to wear period-appropriate underwear. Uh, they were very high-waisted for the women. Yeah, I think, for, I think for everyone actually. Back in yeah, the men with their days. like pleated pants and suspenders. All oh, Daniel yeah. Day-Lewis would have felt right at home in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so not only were they did they have to wear period appropriate clothes, mm-hmm. have period appropriate items on them, they couldn't actually even say anything that was period that wasn't appropriate for the time or acknowledge that they were filming a movie. So what? if they were saying things like shoot or scene uh-huh. or director or set. They, they weren't allowed to say any of that. And it actually got to the point where if they were caught uttering those words, he would fine them actual salary. <laughs> what? 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 And those... It, Dude, even, I feel like you know, the, the punchline of this is going to be at the end. Yeah. He took the, the actual cameras and stuff away and just had them live. <laughs> like, that was... <laughs> oh, my he God. He wasn't even oh, actually yeah. filming anything. Oh. He had those ex-KGB guys who played guards... Yeah. He had. They monitored like the way he had this set up. Is also, this the was the Truman like, Show? Is that what just yeah. happened? Yeah, <laughs> reverse effect. I guess. That. Okay. So on. in all the light fixtures, he had microphones. He had cameras behind like like two way mirrors, whatever stuff like that. He didn't. Add, he did have scenes where he would like actually go and like film like he would in a regular movie. But he also had all this other stuff. He had those ex KGB people. Like, part of their job was to listen to the microphones and, like, catch people saying things, and they'd go to them and, like, find them. Yeah. So he didn't do it all the time. He had, like, 
the guards do it. He had people for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, KGB. Many people. people. Okay. Many people also lived on set in the apartments, so they stayed there, whether they were filming or not. Everyone was paid in Soviet, like prop Soviet rubles. The the, prop, the money, so prop really? money, but prop everything money, else had to money. be real. But the money is fake. Prop well, I mean, money. it was it was it was but Soviet Russia. Period, it was Soviet of, Russia, so that money doesn't exist was it anymore. Pre, it was period appropriate prop money. Yeah, exactly. Uh, every every note, every note of money, all the oh, bills wow. were actually individually numbered as well. So Dude, it was these. By the way, the people that he had to have gotten must have been the most desperate people mm-hmm. in the world to be paid yeah. in fake money. Well, <laughs> I mean, at the end, they it's would like, get... It's like playing you, you with Monopoly. You would, at the end, you would, yeah, you would turn it in. It's like they were playing with Monopoly money. <laughs> Only it was really uh, realistic. You know, he really should have just got some homeless people because they would have done it for free to live in the apartments. Well, but Aww. they wouldn't be, you know... Oh, that's true. They period appropriate, been, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, maybe he did have homeless people to play homeless people. Playing homeless people. <laughs> but basically, for like city. three years... <laughs> People just went back in time and lived in 1950s Soviet Russia. Wait, really quick. Wait, that, three what, years? That is, it, that from is 2008 so to wow. 2011, they were filming for three, four years. Yeah. That was really good. That was just, that would be so shitty if he did get homeless people to play homeless people because they're literally going from being on the street to being on the street in a fake <laughs> in set. A fake Can I go inside? Oh. No. You're a homeless person right. in this movie. Yeah. Go on. Okay. Oh, but it'd be great if they got paid at the end of it, too. Yeah, here's, here's another level of this. Even people unrelated to the movie who visited were forced to, like, Dress. be in character. To, like, play what? along. So, in character? Oh so like, people who went there to interview him, like, the art- one of the articles I was reading about this was, like, this uh, this GQ journalist okay. went there to, like, interview this guy. He had to get the, like, high-top, like, Russian, like, haircut thing, <laughs> and he had to dress in character the entire time he was there. He wasn't allowed to say the words. He wasn't allowed to do any of that stuff. They weren't even filming at the time he was there. The month... That he happened to go up. They weren't filming at all that month. But there were people still living in there. And there were people... They still had to, like, live in this yeah. fake totalitarian, like, you know, world. It sounds yeah, like the he Amish. Probably, he probably couldn't even bring a recorder with him. <laughs> Here's a... Here, no, he couldn't. Actually. He had to write everything by yeah. hand. <laughs> the, he had a photographer there. And uh, the Chisel camera... by stone. The actual camera that... I mean, he had to take pictures. But they had to, like... Use a film camera. Put something over the camera. They, it was a real camera. But they had to, like, make it look like it was... A film something camera? Appropriate, like or something else. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Here's a quote that this director had. <laughs> all right. Uh, he, said, uh, <laughs> he said, taken one by one, all of these details are pure delirium. Taken together, however, they create an otherwise unachievable depth. They're still crazy, though. I mean, like, I don't <laughs> think... Taken together, they're just more crazy. Yeah. But that was what he said about it. And you would think, okay, <laughs> this... This doesn't make sense for people to agree to. Why would they do all this stuff? Mm, but yeah. somehow he made them feel like what they were doing was important. Mm. So much so. I wanted to give an example here. Uh, there was another, like, a, a woman came to interview him about this um, for some film blog or something. And he convinced her to stay and work there instead. She quit her job. She moved, obviously, to this compound thing. She divorced her fucking husband <laughs> she stayed there yeah she divorced her wow husband. this guy wow. does sound like a like a personality like a cult of personality How yeah yeah he, definitely yeah definitely yeah. cult yeah definitely cult he also cult-ish. the producers must have felt the same right so he had the original budget for this film was 3.5 million which he dollars decimated dollars no dollars <laughs> he decimated like multiple times over yeah. at, at the end he was like over 10 oh, million dollars wow. 10 million dollars and he built his own city <laughs> 
Yeah, so he had investments it. from Ukraine, Russia, France, Switzerland, and Germany. I'd love to be in that business meeting pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he he must have continued to pitch to people because, yeah, like, yeah. people getting new sponsors all right. the time. Mm-hmm. So finally, in 2013, he was forced to finish shooting because they were like, "You've been here forever, dude." Yeah. <laughs> all told, he had this over. This is how many years later? It started. In, he started filming in 2008. It is 2013. He finished. Yeah. So this is like it's five. Like, Five, five years? years? Five years filming this movie? He had over wow. 700 hours of film. Okay. <laughs> and, and then had, it all burned. <laughs> he literally did have the cast burn the set to the ground what? when he was done. <laughs> they burned it to they the they ground. They burned the city down. They burned the they city, burned the city down. So They didn't start the fire, though? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, obviously, after reading all this, I had to watch this movie. Like, I okay. had to. Yeah. I, I Even if it's in Russian, I needed to know if <laughs> okay. I could yeah. see a difference, if I could feel... Yeah. The the real if you feel craziness how real it was of okay. this so yeah, yeah. so did you, did, did you watch um, I didn't watch it because uh. it's not fucking done <laughs> what what it's still in post production no somehow well, seven hundred oh, hours yeah, makes sense seven hundred does it make sense he started this movie in two thousand six <laughs> it makes sense because there's seven hundred hours and he's gonna watch every single hour and find... dude he he had oh, he'd been recording not just the the people who needed to be on set but I mean he had hours of footage of just guy walking down the street he can make three se- girl taking a bath like he had yeah he can make three sequels <laughs> um so actually reading more about this uh and going based on you know that it's not done yet i was like how yeah. are people still paying for this and actually one investor dropped out and it's russia russia was like we're done with your shit <laughs> they actually we're sued they shit. sued him <laughs> they sued him for what they paid with interest and uh actually the uh he just sent them 700 hours of footage and he's like that's (laughs) that's all you get the uh (laughs) russia's ministry of culture sued him for to get their money back plus interest because there appeared how pissed putin was (laughs) there appeared to be no end in sight for this project or that it would ever be completed and they won they got their money okay but he still has all these other countries and people still paying for it so it's (laughs) one day we'll get to watch dow down. Maybe Dude, you know if it's. I don't if, think it's ever going to get done. If it's anything personally. like Doki New York, at some point he's going to write himself into the into the movie. Then somebody else is going to play him, and then it's going to get. Or that was maybe that's what he's been doing all yeah. along. <laughs> maybe he really just liked Kaufman's movie. Yeah. What was what was weird about it too is like when you when I was reading the interview that this guy like when he went there yeah. to go talk to him about it, he it definitely sounded like. One of the things that the, the he was uh, just depping way too hard. He <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> was Johnny depping so hard. The uh, the writer directing. said something like, "It was the first time I had seen a director making a movie who actually didn't want to make a movie. Like he yeah. didn't, he didn't yeah. seem Sounds he wanted like to just it. live in this world that he made for himself." Was there like, an actual he, script for this movie? And there was a script, and they, you know, I mean, they they and must they have filmed the whole too. thing. They just yeah. <laughs> they must have filmed had, the whole thing. <laughs> they also had you know people just living there. Huh? And, uh, yeah, so there's a somewhere, someday, maybe, there'll be a Russian movie about people who live I really on hope it ends with them years. burning down this fake city. Well, I hope well that, he, he said yeah. that somehow the, uh, the ending of the, or the destruction or ending of this, like, city plays a part in whatever. In whatever. That was whatever uh, his justification for yeah. burning it down, be. I guess. He's like, but there's an ending. There's an ending. Yeah. Don't worry, also, God, don't worry, invest. There's an ending. Yeah. There's an ending. <laughs> also, I, I didn't I didn't write the actual quote down, but there was there was like 
a moment where uh, the the writer who or the uh, journalist who went to go visit him or like see this whole thing, he uh, he asked or he was talking to him about like the whole like um, finding people for saying certain words, and he was like, well. This is, you know, we're trying to recreate, like, you know, totalitarian Russia. Yeah. And he's, like, part of that is, he's, like, really, it, it creates this, like, culture of snitching where people will just, like, rat out their friends or their coworkers yeah. for saying things. Okay. And he's, like, and that's how it was in actual, like, Soviet Russia. Like, that was a thing that really happened. He's, like, so I'm really interested in, like, making that happen. So he really was, like, I want to make this, like, work culture where everyone's just trying to get each other to lose. I think the fine worked out to something like $125 per offense. So he was really just... Per offense? Yeah. So every time you said a word, like shooting... Over or, five years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But actually, they, uh, they, they also came up with like all these like... This like sub-language where they would... So they could refer to things. Like the, the word Google became like Pravia or something. Pravia. Which was like... It was just some like nonsensical like Pravia. Russian word. But to the, it was like an okay thing, so yeah. they, it was like some weird slang that they had to come up with to like. Did you pravia that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They really, they really did stuff like that. Yeah. That is really interesting. I'm interested in seeing I can't wait if to there's see any some... sort of like studies about this, or just kind of dissecting what this method will produce. Herzog was I like, honestly, I had a ship pulled up a hill. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's just gonna be. It's, it's going to be, be an a okay legend. movie. It's going to be an okay movie. Yeah. I don't think it's going to make a difference, honestly. Yeah. I don't know why. I feel like it's not going to make a difference. The uh, the other thing that's crazy to me is just think about all those people who, you know, really believed in this and they really got sucked into this whole thing. Like that woman who left her yeah. her home and her husband to go be a part of this. Or imagine just going back to your regular life after And then exactly, like the, the end of that three years and they're just like, all right, burn it down. Go back to yeah, your Yeah, everyone just go back to your regular life. With, like, oh. What a weird thing to put on your resume, too, to be like, yeah, for three years I... I lived in Soviet Russia. For three years I was a barber. For three years I was a 50s barber in Soviet in yeah. Russia. Yeah. Totalitarian in Russia. Well, we're, we're almost at the end, but I, I, I think You're going to try to squeeze it I'm in? I'm going to squeeze it I'm going to squeeze it just because I feel like it's... I try to be quick, it. yeah. And actually, no, no, no lie. We can, we can go a little over. It's fine. So I've got another story to share, right? Just another crazy okay. film story. So this is about the 1996 adaptation of H.G. Wells' The Island of Dr. Moreau. Okay? Okay. I've read the book. You know, it's, yeah. it's a book about the mad scientist who makes animal yeah. people on the island, right? That's, that's yeah. the story. It's you know, science gone wrong, mm-hmm. that sort of a thing. So 1996 film, it was written by Richard Stanley. He's like an indie director who wanted to make it. was like a passion project for him. He really wanted to make this movie. New Line Cinema's like, okay, all right, we will get this movie made for you. Um, and he was really kind of a little alarmed because all of a sudden somebody in New Line was getting like big name actors in this movie. This was like his little passion project. Yeah. And it suddenly started bloating up to the point where he was starting to get afraid of like, dude, am I going to have a job? Like who's going to, um, the, the people they got, they got Marlon Brando. Yeah. They got Val Kilmer. They got, oh, da- mm-hmm. they got David Thewlis. Yeah. Um, so they got all these big name actors. And so his whole thing was like, Am I going to still be the director of this movie? Yeah. It is no longer a yeah. whole passion project. So he was getting a little bit uh, scared, especially because he heard that Marlon Brando um, was starting to like rip apart the the script. Like Marlon Brando really, really did not like yeah. the uh, script. So yeah. he wanted to secure 
his position as the director. So what he thought of doing is he decided, you know what? He well, basically what he did was he resorted to blood magic ritual, witchcraft <laughs> ritual that was conducted by a guy named Doctor Edward James Fennystone. I'm glad that he got his PhD. Yes, yeah, it really makes Edward it legitimate. <laughs> but but the the I don't know the people who I guess consulted him or did these blood magic rituals with yeah. him knew him by his like witch name, which is Skip. <laughs> so yep. he went to this guy huh. named Skip in London to do this oh blood magic ritual to ensure that Marlon Brando will not get him kicked off this movie, which <laughs> by all accounts is the weirdest reason to go see a guy for blood yeah, magic. For you blood know what? It, it is kind of a weird thing to say that, like, that's the weirdest reason to go get a witch doctor yeah. to do yeah. some blood magic for yeah. you. Because just in general, that's kind of... That's in a realm of existence. Getting a witch that, doctor in general. That no one, is, yeah, that yeah. no one's really going to go yeah. do. Get a witch doctor. <laughs> so he did this, and apparently it worked out that New Line Cinema actually did allow him to continue being the director. So he flew thank out. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Or <For> Skip. <laughs> or thank Skip. Thank Skip. I, yeah. I, I feel like thank God for the world, because I don't, I don't want to know what happens when blood magic goes wrong, and this guy, <laughs> who's already crazy enough to use blood magic, yeah. is going to not be a happy. So, okay, the film... They went ahead with it, and the film ran into all these troubles. And I'm just going to list off just if the – listen, listen. The, the curse. If it's the curse. Because yeah. here's the thing. If the blood magic worked to make him the director, here's all the shit that went wrong as like the Twilight Zone, like, but here's the twist. Yeah. So uh, in route to the island where they're filming this movie – all of the animals being shipped to the island, because uh, there's a lot of animals, a lot of animals that should not be sitting next to each other also. A lot of animals being shipped to the mm-hmm. island were caught in a storm, and they had to be transferred from one ship to another. So they had to oh like, my take God. a crane, <laughs> nice. yeah. and they had to get a cage for the, the they had cages, and then grab the cages from one boat and ship it to another boat, right? Yeah. In the middle of the ocean. And dude, at one point, Move while, the they were, while they were moving a panther in a cage from one boat to another, over Overhead, the panther pissed all over all the cast and crew. Good, nice. He just, oh, he just pissed all over everybody. Good. Um, so would I. Kilmer and and uh, Marlon Brando. They not only did they hate the script, they would they would brag that they didn't even read the script. Yeah. And so they would constantly improvise lines. In fact, oh Marlon God. Brando and Kilmer were supposed to be assistant and, like, the doctor, and they are supposed to be, like, working together, but they only had one interaction in the entire movie because they just <laughs> would not read the line. They just stay away from each other the whole oh. time. Yeah. And the, literally the line that they had, which was improvised, was just uh, Kilmer was looking at, like, a microscope, and he's like, uh, oh, it's yellow. And Marlon Brando's like, yes, yes, it is. That was it. That was it. And nobody knew what they were talking about. There was no reference they were making. Um, Kilmer was an egomaniac who constantly undermined Richard Stanley's directing. Yeah. At one point, and this is you have to remember this. This is Val Kilmer, though, fresh off of Batman Forever when he was like a big star. Yeah. He was like big news back then. So he demanded that they build him a treehouse. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> because he claimed oh, my, my character would live in a treehouse and everybody else is like Val you just want a treehouse for yourself like yeah. this has nothing to do with the character did they build uh, him a treehouse they did, oh, they did. Jesus. I'd be one, like fuck you <laughs> sleep in a tent like the rest of us at one point he gets a trailer he doesn't even have to sleep in a yeah. tent fuck you right, Kilmer whatever. you're gonna get fat yeah. someday <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, man. It's, the uh, at one point he actually asked that one. Uh, there's like a big European actor who was playing a supporting role in this. He asked that, that European actor's role be cut to ribbons because he's like, ah, I don't want this guy to be bigger than my. I don't my want role. him to get. Oh my yeah. god, what a douche! <laughs> um, Marlon Brando became obsessed with actor Nelson De La Rosa. If you don't know who Nelson De La Rosa is, he's the world's smallest man. And he basically played the assistant of the doctor. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Yeah. and so, but the thing is, Marlon Brando, who is a doctor, became obsessed with this guy. He's like, I, he just wanted to talk to him all the time, spend time with him, drink with him. Just He just wanted to be with Nelson De La Rosa all the time <laughs> to the point where he actually asked the real like other assistant who he's supposed to have an actual relationship to with to like, no, 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 give all of my, this guy's role, this guy's uh, lines to Nelson and, oh and make him the main, the main assistant. Did they do that? They did. <laughs> uh, the film schedule was like stretched to such a degree that the people who were there on this island for such a long time, they just, they were like pushed to the breaking point. So the yeah. cast and the crew began taking a lot of extreme illicit drugs. Um, they were taking flaming shots all the time between takes and they they did a lot of orgies also. Yeah. Yeah. They did yeah. a, lot a lot of orgies. orgies. Yeah. They did was, a lot of orgies. A lot of that. Um, Marlon Brando, <laughs> this is... Dude, dude, by the way, while all this is going on, the guy, the director who did the like blood magic, must yeah. have just been just thinking like, "What the fuck did I do? <laughs> yeah. Fucked up. I think well, fucked up. I don't. <laughs> want, I, this isn't the movie I wanted to make anymore." Dude, this guy though, you know, his whole thing though was, "I want to keep my job." In mm. fact, even though he was frustrated with these people, his whole thing was, just, "I want to keep my job," and so he just kept on going. Like, all right, let's just let's just keep filming this thing. Yeah. So Marlon Brando, eccentric. Marlon Brando, what mm-hmm. he did was uh, at one point he just thought it was so hot on the island. Like, ah, oh, it's so hot. It's just, it's, this, this it's fat so Marlon hot. Brando, by the yeah. way. This is not thin, sexy Marlon Brando. This is like post-Touch of Evil okay. Marlon Brando. Um, he it's decided so he hot. wanted to paint yeah. his entire face white. He yeah. just wanted to go entirely white face, white arm. Just yeah. If you watch the movie, the, the yeah, character's all white. Yeah, he's in white powder. White. He's he has white powder on yeah. him. So he's just like, I, I want to be white for the entire movie. <laughs> and also, he wore a pot on his head for the entire movie. And the Dude, reason, what a weird time in his life to just... Dude, but think about this. He took this eccentric genius doctor and made him this white-faced guy being carried in a rickshaw with a pot on his head. <laughs> yeah. By the way, inside the pot, there was ice. That was his whole thing. He's like, I want to have ice on my head. Mm. Yeah. but At least it was a practical yeah. reason. Yeah, he right. was nuts. So uh, additionally, they needed more extras on set because this whole thing stretched so long that they hired some homeless hippies living in the jungle <laughs> to come onto the set. Brandon asked at one point a production designer. He's like, you know what? I just really want a peacock feather for my for my costume. So he got a production designer to chase a peacock, a living wild peacock, Jesus. chase him what? and pluck a pluck a Jesus feather Christ. for Brando's uh, costume. Great. Um, Brando at one point wanted the entire script. The script he refused to read, by the way. Right. He wanted the entire script rewritten so at the end he could be transformed into a dolphin. <laughs> yeah, I read that what? one. That one was a good one. <laughs> Dude, I, by the way, imagine every single thing being said by this guy in white face with a pot on his head. 
The guy that's considered the greatest <laughs> that's the greatest actor yeah. of his generation. Yeah. Well, and that's the like, only way to imagine it, though, is yeah. as a guy with a weird white face and a pot on his head. <laughs> pot on his head. Um, Brando received all of his lines through an earpiece because he just refused to you know, read the script. At one point, yeah. you know, David Thewlis, well, one of the actors... Uh, the old, literally, you have, you have to, you do, you have to praise David Thewlis as the old, he's an Academy Award winning actor. He is an actual, true actor. He's done true roles. He's actually ashamed of this movie. He refused to talk about it. He refused to go to the, like, the premiere of yeah. it. He said, Marlon would be in the middle of a scene and suddenly he'd be picking up police messages and would repeat, there's a robbery at Woolworths. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dude, poor David Thewlis, dude. Um, actress, uh, Faruza Balk. Yeah. After here's what happened. Richard Stanley. Everything that was going wrong on set was being blamed on Richard Stanley, mostly because Val Kilmer was such a big shot and he was blaming him. Um, so Richard Stanley, the director, got fired. But before I even get to that, <laughs> he lost it. He yeah. lost his job. All this, he, he still lost, lost it. So actress Faruza Faruza Balk threatened because she was so upset about him being fired. She threatened with a knife to cut out her own heart. <laughs> Wow. And then she really liked him as a director. And then when they're like, "Okay, That's loyalty," to okay, the director, you know, like, like relax, like we'll we'll figure this whole thing out. They they didn't figure it out. They <laughs> drove Richard Stanley to the airport to get him out of the island to get him off the set. But instead, Richard Stanley slipped the people who were like taking him to the airport and he fled into the jungle and he lived oh there for God. two months. What? Yeah. Oh <laughs> my God. He just, he refused to leave the set and he just He's lived just in the jungle. He's just watching, 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 watching from his tree house. There's a quote. Oh, by the way, this really sucked by the way, but the, the act, the, the driver who failed to get him to the airport was fired, but then he was rehired when they needed more extras like those hippies. They're like, oh, you're not there's, a driver anymore, like, but you're, you're an extra now. Yeah. You can be a so, okay. so Richard Stanley, he gets fired. Before he fl- flees in the jungle, he destroys all the storyboards. He destroys everything needed to make the movie, and then he flees into the jungle. And at <laughs> one point when they interviewed him about his time in the jungle, he said, quote, I lived for two months underneath a tree with two dingo pups, <laughs> figuring out what the heck to do. At one point, the crew, the, the crew that still liked him found him they convinced him to come back to the set at least to be back in civilization again and the <laughs> way they look at how you're living <laughs> the way they got him back on set dude this is like one of my favorite parts is they convinced him to wear a actually maybe i think he convinced them to let him wear a bulldog costume like a bulldog what? man costume yeah. and he just finished the rest of the filming as the bulldog, as the character. bulldog character so he's in the movie and nobody knew that he's like within punching you know range of, of kilmer <laughs> and he just became the bulldog character on set for the rest of the movie you know wow. you know what's another wow. fr- funny tidbit i heard about that was you know, he shows up as the bulldog character. I guess Val Kilmer wasn't getting along with the replacement director, who I believe uh, it was, was, it was uh, John Frankenheimer, right? John, like John Frankenheimer, who's yeah. like an even more famous director yeah. from the 70s and 80s. A little crazy, too. And I guess at the rap party, when, you know, when Richard Stanley revealed himself that, you know, I've been on the set the entire, <laughs> the entire rest of the time, I guess Val Kilmer said, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for what happened because... You were much better than John Frankenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that, that's the story of just this terrible movie. It, it is 
considered like the worst production yeah. experience for many people. Many people were pretty traumatized by the experience of just living under this this entire experience. And they actually made a documentary of just the people talking about yeah. their time yeah. on Dr. Moreau's Island. <laughs> I, actually, I'm not going to lie, dude. This is really funny for what <laughs> the documentary is called. It's called Lost Souls, the making <laughs> the lost of, souls. Oh yeah, of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> the Jesus. island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> Okay, so, yeah, we, we, we're pretty much at the end of our time. Actually, I mean, I'm not going to lie, dude. We actually are still within time frame. It's, it's only uh, five minutes over, so good for us. Um, good job, good. guys. Good job, guys. I mean, so, oh, hey, we want to make sure we give our Thanks guests so time to signal us. boost anything that you guys are, you know, supporting or a part of. I mean, Miles, do you have anything you want to, you know, shout you want, out You want to get people or, to watch anything? Yeah, or? I mean, anything on um, um, Support independent film, support world cinema. Um, support women directors, definitely. Everyone oh, yeah. had like a everyone had a, a nod. For yeah, them. we're all nodding. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> right support on. women directors, and I agree with Ali Yang at the Emmys. Italians got The Godfather and mm-hmm. Rocky. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, they have Long Duck Dong. Yeah, we have Long <laughs> Duck Dong, and we need our own Asian characters. And um. Don't be racist, yeah. Hollywood. Don't That's be racist, just Hollywood, it. basically. Or stop, stop being racist. Not <laughs> yeah. Because they are. Be young. more inclusive. Give women a chance. Give people of color a chance. It's okay. time. Well, Miku. Miles, Miku, now Miku, I have what, what do you go after that? Anything last, last words to say? Kind of feeling. She's just like, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, Second. wait, I wanted to say some of that. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> thank you, Miles, for being so gracious. Um, just, uh,. You know, if if anyone in Hollywood is listening, you know, I hope that there's some (laughs) authenticity. If they are, they're too high to comprehend. (laughs) They're like, this show's genius. (laughs) Yeah, just um, I want to see some authenticity out there. I want to see more roles for women and roles for people of color and people who have you know different backgrounds. And I think that the direction we're going with like all the Netflix and the Hulu, it's I like to think of it as like a faucet that's just on the highest level. Yeah. Because there's just so much, and I just I I want to see some variations. There's actually a lot of uh, shows that are coming up about weed, like the high maintenance, mm-hmm. and then that the girls show where they're like drug dealers or something. Eh, that's okay. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know. I think I think Broad City is kind of what brought the whole weed culture back into is it i feel like i feel like weed culture was like it's around always before been there. that yeah. i know but like for a series to kind of take it on in mm. that way of like millennials smoking and dealing and that kind of stuff is it's kind of mm. a new well it's a discussion take for on a, it for another for another, yeah, another time it's kind of hey, an open another episode we can have a movies yeah. too Cool. I also wanted to say thank you guys for being such gracious yeah, thank hosts. Thank you. You guys, yeah. you guys yeah. great. You're giving us way yeah. too much. Gracious is not gracious. a word I would use, but... <laughs> hey, no, Thank you guys for being guests. Thanks you know, we're, Again, one of the things Anytime, we always guys. say is we're always looking for guests on our show. Please come on our Please show. Please come on our show. We don't have a name, but it's okay. We don't, okay. Have, a name, we don't but, have a name. But, you know, not everybody does. Not formally everybody. known as the Water Cooler. The show formally known as the Water Cooler. As the Water Cooler. Dude, you know who we are. The we're artist. Bird. The artist. We're Big Bird right we're now. We're Big Bird looking for. The artist formerly known as the Water Cooler. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to do a quick signal boost uh, for my friend Samantha Hamilton. Uh, she wants everyone to know that 
more than 9,000 dogs and cats are killed in America's shelters uh, because they don't have a safe place to call home. Uh-huh. And uh, that number should be zero. Um, so that's why many shelters, and especially I, I believe the animal hospital she works at, they are participating in the Best Friends Animal Society's Strut Your Mud event to raise money for animals. I hope my shelters. mom doesn't listen to the show, but she would lose it. Yeah. For that. Yeah. She so, worked for Best Friends, actually. Oh, does she? Yeah. Oh, well, did. Oh. So she moved to Georgia. So, but, I mean. Whatever. Yeah, so that's, please, uh, please check, don't out, to this, mom. check out support.bestfriends.org <laughs> for more information on the Strut Your Mutt event. And sure. just remember. Strut Your Mutt. Strut yeah. your so mutt. cute. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ryan, any uh, last things you want to add before we uh, get out of here? Um, just, no, I'm, I'm surprised we're still here somehow. Yeah. Hey, what's our what's our tagline or what's our uh, hashtag today? What, you, you said a hashtag Johnny Deppin, right? Johnny Deppin too hard. Johnny Deppin too hard. Or just Depping, hashtag Depping too hard. Depping too Depping hard. Too we, hard. I think that has to be a thing. We have to like consistently have, have a hashtag, have a hashtag every, episode. every episode, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's that's it for our show, guys. Tune in next week at seven p.m. on Tuesday. And this was the Mystery Hour with Gerald C. Lee. Ugh. I'm gonna go shut the show on fire now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Ryan Anusha Dead is made possible thanks to KDHR, the student-operated radio station of California State University, Dominguez Hills. For more information about KDHR, please visit www.kdhr.net. The intro song for this show is Space Ace by Blind. This music is made available thanks to Overclocked Remix. For more information, please visit ocremix.org.